When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. With the start of the Michigan football season just a few weeks away, we break down the key positional battles. We go in-depth on the defense and hit on some recruiting news as well. That and more on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, how are you? Good. You forgot the NHL draft talk, my man. Oh, well, come on. You gotta, you gotta... <laughs> Under promise, over deliver. Oh, there you go. To be honest with you, I didn't even know what was going on. And heck, we might not really, <laughs> we might not really have any recruiting news to talk about. So I might have just straight up misled our listeners in the intro. Anyway, Should be a good one today. Let's get into it. Um, but yes, the NHL draft. We'll see. That wouldn't have fit. I wouldn't have said we are going to discuss that. One person is going to give a monologue on the NHL draft. Well. You know, the rest, you, the other you haven't been scouring, feed. <laughs> you haven't been scouring the NHL mock drafts, you know, to see all the U of M players that were and where they're pegged to go. It was several days before I realized the NHL playoffs were underway. I definitely didn't know that the champion had been crowned until well after the fact. Yeah, I saw someone complain like a couple of days ago. They sports center and ESPN hadn't even discussed the Stanley Cup final game. That's that been a thing for a long day. time, right? Because they don't have a rights deal with it, right? But you still got to bring it up, right? You still got to talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely, it's a major sport. I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I mean, I, I can't say I watch a lot of Sports Center anymore. Yeah, but it shot out Barry Melrose, right? To talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, we've got uh, we've got some things to talk about. The football season is it's 18 days away as we record here. It's not this Saturday. Michigan's football season. Michigan, that is. Yes, not uh, not this Saturday. Okay, not the next Saturday, but the Saturday after that. Are there going to be any Friday games? Or is that just a complete just kind of? I there might be I, that's we haven't seen the schedule released yet from the big big tens tv partners fox and espn so i i i wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility there being a friday night game but i don't think there'll be many of them i mean michigan and i think ohio state had said like we're not doing that like back a couple of years ago when they started doing it now i don't know if you know during this unique unusual season if they're if they're, they take the same stance um you know there's no fans anyway um, there's no kids coming on visits right good point so i don't think it's a yeah the conflict with high school football wouldn't be as great i guess although they're still playing those games i don't know but anyway i guess we'll see but michigan will open with minnesota um i've begun you know previewing these opponents so you can you can find that one already on the site but you know before michigan can worry about its opponents they got to worry about themselves and there are some 
battles out there for for starting spots. You know, our best guess at, at some of those will be will be discussed here. I'm going to mention quarterback first, but I think we're going to kind of move past it quickly because we've discussed it at length uh, already, and we will continue in future podcasts. But nothing has changed, right? I mean, it's it's Joe Milton as the front runner, but he's he's got he's he's being pushed by Kay McNamara potentially. He's um, being pushed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, at least that's how they're selling. Jim, Jim Harbaugh, one on the radio again last week, was inside Michigan Football Radio Show. He was asked about the quarterback situation, and he. Uh, you know, stuck to the script. Didn't again. Didn't declare a front runner. Didn't declare number one. Didn't say Joe Milton was ahead. Uh, he just said that you know, Milton and Cade McNamara were competing for the job. No mention Dan Bellari, the true freshman. Uh, even though in, in the past Harbaugh has mentioned the the younger guys, so I'm surprised he hasn't at this point. Either way, uh, at least from what they're selling the public, as we've discussed, it's it's Milton and McNamara. And I think most of us think it, at this point it's going to be Milton starting at least at least week one, or someone potentially working on an in-depth story on one of those guys. Uh, yeah, let's let's hope that it shakes out that way. Um, okay, as far as who's protecting that position, um, the offensive line. Are there spots that we believe are set and some that aren't? Could some of those guys that lose one battle get moved to another spot? Let's uh, yeah, give me kind of the breakdown of, of where things stand on the offensive line. Yeah, for I think for the most part it's set. I mean, right tackle Jalen Mayfield is good. Andrew Stumer is, is projected to start right guard. Ryan Hayes is the front runner and, and likely starter at left tackle. The two question marks uh, are at center and left guard. There are open competitions at both spots. Um, you know, center, I think, is most important here, just because as we've you know Ed Warner and, and the coaching staff have have long argued that, you know, the center is essentially the quarterback at the offensive line. The one, obviously they're the ones snapping the football, but they're also the ones calling out protections and, and calling audibles and, and kind of directing traffic, so to speak up front. So the, the, the center position is going to be crucial, especially with a new first year quarterback, especially with a kind of a, you know, a, a new look with lots of new stars in the offense. Cesar Ruiz held it down well last year. He played well. First round NFL draft pick. Yeah, it was. And, and it's, he's big shoes to fill. Uh, Andrew Vistaris sounds like he's the front runner at this point. He's the fifth year senior, former walk on. Again, hasn't played a ton, um, but it, it sounds like it's going to be him and, and Zach Carpenter, the redshirt freshman. Uh, again, Carpenter hasn't played much either. He redshirted last year, didn't play much. So it's two guys that are uh, in very different spots in their football career, at least in college. Um, but Ed Warner did talk to, um, you know, he was on podcast last week. He's spoken to, in the last few weeks and he, he has indicated that the starter is the leader, but he hasn't, he hasn't ruled a, a starter yet at that spot. I mean, for you, Aaron, I mean, you, you just released your, your depth chart 1.0, um, this past week. And it's, it had to be one of the toughest you've ever had to do just because there's so much inexperience vying for these, these jobs this year that, that Michigan really hasn't had in the past. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's weird because, I, I, well, you, you mentioned being difficult. In a way, it was easy, too, because Michigan has been kind of forthcoming in, in who is in, in line for these jobs and what position they're, they're at. In years past, under previous coaches, offensive line coaches or coordinators, things were a little bit more muddled. You had guys, you know, working at different spots, um, trying out for different positions. Uh, this case, Ed Warner's done a very good job of kind of, of you know, identifying these guys early on, where they perhaps could fit in best. And saying, hey, you're taking reps at tackle, you're taking reps at guard, you're at center. Now, there are situations where there are guys that could go either way. I think Trevor Keegan and Carson Barnard are two examples there. I think Keegan's in line at, at left guard with Chuck Filiaga. 
whereas Barnhart is projected to be a tackle. So, but there are guys, there are guys that, that can kind of go back and forth at, at the two spots. But by and large, he's done a good job of kind of like kind of setting lanes, uh, with, especially with the offensive line. For us, though, it's a little bit tough to project like what, how these players might fit or what to expect from them, just because I mean a lot of them haven't seen the field at all yet, and we're we're, we're not there at practice seeing how they're practicing and, and what they have shown in practice. So we're at this point we're taking what the coaches are saying and um, with the drain of salt just because we have to kind of rely on on what they're saying at this point because a lot of them don't have much track much of a track record on the field I mean yeah we could all you could always go back to recruiting rankings but a lot of times a lot changes when they're in the program and behind the scenes what they're doing so it'll be day one will be interesting for sure that you bring up a good point and that's kind of a caveat here we, we're not privy to practice some some schools let reporters into practice to watch a little bit to kind of get an idea michigan does not so we don't we we can't go in and see who's repping with who who's practicing where uh, we we kind of have to take the word of, of the coaches at face value and also read between the lines in some regards because some of these coaches have, have you know the, they're, they're not going to come out and say hey so and so we're struggling so and so isn't playing well it's they're all doing great but these guys are doing better uh, so you got to kind of kind of read between the lines when it comes to these spots, based on how much these guys are brought up in conversations. In some in some cases, in some situations with these positions, they've been identified as first two and three. You know, in the offensive line, it's it's a little bit more clear because Ed Warner has done a good job of kind of laying out who who is where and at what position. Yeah, I don't think we've ever heard of a, a coach say that we need to see more from this guy or we need we need this guy to step up in, in practice it's all a lot, a lot of positivity being thrown around so could have two andrews and orion starting on the offensive line no errands <laughs> no errands on this roster uh no the one that did was the one that there was one and he transferred okay yeah so there are some you know other other groups that you know aren't necessarily uh set in stone um we've talked about defensive back i, I feel like the last pod we we kind of I remember asking you guys, you know, okay, season starts tomorrow, you know, who, who you think uh, is going to be at that other spot, but just to, to kind of reiterate, um, yeah, where does the sort of the cornerback stand as far as, you know, who we probably think is starting and who's, who's in the mix to, to grab that other spot. So it sounds like there's been an emergence a little about their cornerback. Now keep in mind, they just started padded practices about a week ago. So they're only about a weekend. They've got a couple of weeks still to go before game week. Um, but, you know, uh, Don Brown was on the radio Monday night and was asked about the cornerback position because right now it is, it's going to be crucial. You know, they lose Levert Hill. They lost. Ambry Thomas decided to, 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 to depart and, and to get ready for the NFL draft. Vincent Gray is, is an obvious candidate. One of the cornerback spots, but one of them is wide open. They've got several guys there. As we've mentioned, you know, uh, Jalen Perry, DJ Turner, Jamon Green. I was under the impression it was going to be either DJ Turner or Jalen Perry, just based on, on Don Brown's conversation with us last week. However, on Monday night, he said that Jamon Green has kind of emerged as the frontrunner at that position. Hmm. Um, he called him the leader, leader in the clubhouse at this point, which in a way makes sense because Jamon Green is, is more experienced in those two. He is going to be a redshirt sophomore. He's played in a few more games in those two. So he's been around the program a little bit longer. He's probably more familiar with the defense and he's taken more reps. So I think, and not only is he more comfortable, but they're probably more comfortable with him. But again, it's still a ways out. They're going to have to go through a couple more weeks of practices to determine that. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see a rotating cast of characters there at cornerback, especially if whoever ends up starting week one against Minnesota struggles. Um, again, there's and we talked about this last week, there's also the caveat of potentially them changing some things in the defensive backfield, especially when they go up against a Minnesota or a Penn State or Ohio State that likes to throw the football. 
and they have top of the line receivers, Michigan may have feel like they have to do some things to, to try and compensate for the lack of experience, perhaps talent at the quarterback spot. That's where I think Dax Hill comes in, Brad Hawkins, up fifth defensive back. We talked a lot about that last week, get into that more as, as the season gets closer, but I think that's going to hinge on the development of some of these younger quarterbacks, the Jalen Perry's, the DJ Turner's, and the Jamon Green's I mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, either way, it's a blow for Michigan, certainly to not have Thomas back, especially when you look around the Big Ten. And as far as the opt-outs, I'm not saying there weren't other guys, key guys that were just lost, uh, you know, graduated or, or already left early for the NFL or whatever. But you know, as far as those who, you know, said they were opting out, you know, either because of COVID or just simply to because of the uncertainty to focus on the NFL, you know, many in the Big Ten came back, um, you know, and Michigan has lost kind of one key guy on each side of the ball uh, with Thomas being the, the defensive guy. OK, also on defense, we've got you know kind of the interior of the defensive line. Is that where there's there's potentially battles? I mean, we, we kind of like what we see from the ends and we kind of know who they are. But, you know, there's kind of a question mark for who, which which is not new from last season either, as far as who's who's on the interior on the defensive line. Is that is that right? Yeah, I, I think when I published my depth chart last week, I, I think I had a competition between Chris Hinton and, and, and Donovan Jeter at defensive tackle. We were under the assumption Carlo Kemp is going to start defensive tackle. I think there's no question about that at this point. Michigan went with a primarily three-down front line last year just because of, again, and Don Brown addressed this last week, lack of depth. Uh, they had they wanted to get Josh Uche more in the game and, and utilize the, the Viper a little bit more, and they were able to do that. This year, they don't have a Josh Uche, so they're going to have to – I think they, they feel like they have to go with a four-down front, and they probably pref- would prefer doing that. Um, but they also have more depth at that spot. I think at this point, you know, I, I think Chris – you know, gun to my head, I think Chris Hinton probably takes the first-team reps week one against Minnesota just based on what they saw from him last year. He ended up starting the Citrus Bowl against Alabama, so they like the potential there. He was a top 100 recruit. He's got a high ceiling. They like his, his athleticism. Um, but last week, I thought I was a little surprised. Don, Don Brown spoke up Donovan Jeter quite a bit. You know, Jeter is a little bit more experienced. Redshirt Jr., he's been in the system a couple of years. There's been talk about him in the past. I can remember last spring, um, not this past spring, but two springs ago, where they, they thought Jeter was ready to emerge then, and he didn't. He battled injuries last year, kind of faded in the depth chart. He never got a ton of playing time. So I think this is really going to be a make-or-break year for Donovan Jeter. If he didn't step up and, and get a starting spot, I think it's Chris Hinton's for the for the for the future. I, I think it's going to come down to Jeter and Hinton. I think you're going to next couple of weeks will be key in how those reps are split up. I do think they'll probably try and split them to some degree. But again, going to my head, I, I do think Hinton is is going to be the the, the guy there. Since our last podcast, we talked to Don Brown. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess what is there? Are there any kind of big picture? things defensively that you know are, are noteworthy here that you know maybe our listeners haven't heard yet yeah i mean he, he kind of made uh some interesting time he was asked about playing more more zone or or more man i mean obviously uh, a man-to-man coverage is a staple of don brown's defense but with with this defense um and, and the experience they have coming back he says they're they're gonna make some tweaks to their defense to, to fit their strengths and and like aaron said their strength of this defense right now is their defensive line. So yeah, I would definitely expect them um, to go with more four down linemen um, to start off because I mean, yeah, if you don't have Josh Uche anymore and, and Don Brown brought up Ben Van Sumeren, a former running back who has switched over to linebacker kind of filling in that role. And while he, he spoke highly of Van Sumeren, you can't expect him to become as productive as Josh Uche right away. Um, so I could see more, uh, yeah, you'll have Cameron Grone and Josh Ross on the field at all times, 
but with with an experience at Viper and Michael Barrett and, and the same linebacker with Ben Van Sumeren, I could definitely see them relying on that offensive or defensive line a lot more this year. You hit the nail on the head. I think they're going to have to rely if they're going to get more pass rush and, and get the same amount of pass rushes they they have in the past. They have to come from those two end spots. They have to come from more. I think of their their middle linebackers, the the Cam Groans and, and Josh Ross types. You know, in years past, it's it's been interesting because Michigan's defensive backfield has always been a, a you know a rock of their defense. Now they they've broken down in, in some big games, whether it was Ohio State or Penn State, but by and large, they always played well and they always had some playmakers in in that area. And they do. Dax Hill, I think, is going to be very good and, and can be very good. Brad Hawkins too, but they got question marks at cornerback. And so they're going to have to get more, generate more pass rush, I think, from their ends. And I think they realize that and know that. But it's going to be a, it's going to be a different defense. They don't, they're not going to have the same linebacker that they had last year in Josh Uche. The Viper is going to be brand new in Michael Barrett, likely. Uh, so they got, to, they got to generate pressure from other areas if they're going to play the same way Don Brown has in the past. So I'm, I'm curious to see where that comes from, where they can kind of compensate. And the linebacker position, I think, is going to be key in that regard. And, you know, McGrone and Ross could be very good this year. They anticipate very being very good. In fact, they said they want to be the best in the country. Obviously, that remains to be seen, and the ball, you know, the, the jury is still out on there. Um, but Michael Barron, I think, is going to have to uh, step up and, and play well linebacker. And one thing that stood out to me with, with Don Brown's comments the last week or so is that the speed. He's moved some guys around. You mentioned Ben Van Sumer, for instance. He, he has said that he's looked very good with his speed. I don't anticipate, you know, Ben Van Sumer bringing every down linebacker. He's not going to be in the field all the time. Um, but if they can get him in the game, kind of like a Josh Uche last or two years ago, maybe where he was only, you know, he was a specialized guy where he can rush on third down or in long, you know, third long situations. I think you can, you can utilize him there. Same goes, you know, he spoke up about William Mohan, the true freshman. He's at this point, it's probably a second, third string uh, Viper. Uh, um, so he, Don Brown likes the speed they have. I think he wants them to be faster. And I think they're going to have to be quick. Uh, to compensate for some of the players they lost. Yeah, e- even when speaking with uh, with Ben Van Sumeren's uh, high school coach a couple months ago, I mean, he was utilizing that defensive role in high school as well as kind of like a pass rusher or out of the linebacker spot. So, I mean, he does have some experience doing that. Is he is as polished as Josh Uche? No, um, but I think you might be able to. You he might stand out once in a while with with his, his pass rushing ability on on occasion with his speed off the edge. So. That, that's definitely some a, a position to watch and and a player to watch this year if, if he can kind of develop moving over from from running back to or fullback to linebacker at the at the college level. I mean, if you're looking at Michigan's defense, you know total defense yards allowed per game. Last year they were 11th, which was a a dip. Uh, you know, from the past past six years, that was their worst ranking. Before that, second, third, first, fourth, seventh. Okay, that that even predates uh, Harbaugh there. One of those years, so it's been it's been elite, um, and has really at times you know carried the team. Do you see a step back this year? If you look at the group as a whole, um, all the pieces. You know, I know it's a shortened season. You're only playing in the Big Ten, but but bottom line is, you know, do you see this being a top five, top ten unit in the country this year? Probably not. You know, if they don't have, if we talked about earlier, the corners are kind of unproven. We saw a little bit of Vincent Gray last year. We talked about this last week, but he, you know, he he didn't play well in those big games, so they need a step forward from him. But they're really going to need someone to step up and, and kind of take that number two cornerback spot. And and I, I, at this point, I don't know who that's going to be. You know, Don Brown did say Jamon Green's a leader. But we haven't seen him a ton. Michigan's schedule possesses a lot of elite offenses, as, as I mentioned. You know, they open with Minnesota. They have to play Penn State, always likes to throw the football. And then there's obviously Ohio State at the end of the year. 
if you're asking me if Michigan's defensive backfield is better than it was last year and previous years, no, and I don't think it's close. Now they do have some good guys at, at, at safety, but safeties are, are only you know essentially reactionary cover guys. So they're gonna they're gonna need corners to step up and eliminate the distance between them and receivers to try and prevent those big those deep balls. So we're we're gonna see. I think we'll we'll know early on that week one game against Minnesota is gonna tell it's gonna tell us a lot if, if Michigan can keep up. Uh, with you know Minnesota's offense, I, I think there's there's some you know there's there's some optimism there. If they can't, they get burned and, and they give up some big plays like the defensive backs have in, in the past. I mean, I can remember two years ago the opener against Notre Dame, Michigan's back defensive backfield, which was projected to be very good. It was coming off again another big year. They got burned on some some deep balls. So we'll see. I, I suspect teams are going to try and exploit that, and it's going it's going to see how we're going to find out pretty quickly how how good uh, Michigan's backfield is. Yeah. yeah, Aaron brought up some really great points there, too. And and you have to consider there really isn't much depth at on defense at all, especially in, in the secondary. And with this COVID season, with the uncertainty, I mean, if, if a player tests positive, he's out for three games, uh, 21 days at, at minimum. So, I mean, you are going to have to be relying on, on, on more guys this year. John Brown even mentioned, like, we're coaching everybody because we just don't know um, what the season will entail. And, and with the potential of injuries as well. I mean, it's just it, – it, and they have a darling of a schedule. So it's like, man, it's hard to project them dominating is like they have in the past, even against lesser opponents than Ohio State. I mean, Indiana this year looks like they're going to have a really solid them. offense. Yeah, so, I mean, they're, they have a tough schedule, um, not a lot of depth. It, it could be – they might be – need Joe Milton to put, use that arm to put up some serious points this year. So we'll, we'll see. I'm glad you brought up the depth too, because Don Brown has brought up this one name the last couple of weeks in conversations and interviews that we haven't really heard yet. Cause Sean, I have to look it up again. Cause Sean Harris, he's a former walk. He was a walk on in the team this year. Uh, he, he came to Michigan last year as a, as a, as a member of the track and field team. Uh, he loves the speed, uh, but the guy was never recruited for football. And apparently he's, he's worked his way into the three deep, uh, depth chart at cornerback. I think that just goes to show the lack of depth and, and inexperience that Michigan has at the quarterback position. Now, that's not to say that that won't change as the season goes on and perhaps next year, but they got a lot of young, inexperienced guys that have never played the position in, at the college level. And it's one thing to do that at, you know, maybe an, an FBS, FCS level, MAC level, but to, to go up against elite Big Ten offense, the Big Ten, yeah. they're going to get. I mean, it's going to be. It's, it could be a struggle for Michigan. So I, I'm curious to see how they respond to this. What, what, they, how they, how they do, how they deal with this. Because um, I think when, when everything is settled, once the season gets going, I think we're going to find that the departure of Ambry Thomas may have been Michigan's biggest, most important, um, consequential departure. For sure. All right. Yeah. Obviously, the defense doesn't. I mean, I asked the question: Will it be? You know, a nationally, you know, elite unit? Does it? Of course, it doesn't have to be for Michigan to still be good if other phases of the game are are a little better. You know, we we mentioned we mentioned some recruiting news. So even if you don't have specifically football news, I could sneak in some basketball stuff here, just so you know we don't make liars out of ourselves. Which is that you know we had another elite prospect in who had been considering Michigan and decided to go. Uh, Elsewhere, um, Ryan, I think actually you wrote about him at one point when he narrowed his list of J.D. Davison point guard. Not surprising because Michigan's kind of, you know, uh, somewhat uh, set at that position. If they're going to go for someone else at this point, you'd think it'd probably be, you know, more of a, a front court player. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. There's another player tomorrow, top guy uh, in the class. 
going to narrow his list and, you know, Michigan's on the, uh, made the first cut. We'll see if it makes the, the second one, you know, as far as basketball in general, the team, you know, here in the state of Michigan, uh, you know, governor's orders allow gyms to be open and, you know, more people to be, to be gathering indoors. Uh, and that means the Michigan basketball team has been, has been practicing, you know, at, at full strength, they wear masks during the practice, but they, they have been, you know, inside together as a full team, as opposed to earlier in the off season when it was just, you know, one, two or three guys at a time, full practice doesn't start until next week. October 14th is the date from the NCAA that they allowed, given that the start of the season is November 25th. All that means is that they have more time per week to practice. It's not that they're allowed to do things that they couldn't be doing right now. They can just do, do more of it. That November 25th date is the date you can start. Whether Michigan will start on that date remains to be seen. Whether it will be uh, in this tournament, uh, Empire Classic, moved from New York to uh, Connecticut um, remains to be seen. There have been reports that have suggested that, that they will play at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Um, Again, still a field that includes Villanova and Baylor, potentially the top two teams in the country going into the year. Um, Franz Wagner let slip that they were preparing for that Villanova game on November 25th, but we don't know if that's, you know, the person in charge of the schedule at Michigan said nothing has been finalized. Now, does that just mean it hasn't been, they haven't put ink to paper yet, or, you know, they're truly still trying to figure it out. Um, it will be interesting for some of these schools, you know, Michigan right now is, is not, uh, I'm actually here in New York right now. Michigan is one of the, the few States that has never been on New York's banned list of, of, you know, travel as far as if you come here, you then got to quarantine when you go back or whatever. Um, but I don't know. In New York and New Jersey have been following similar parameters. So if you're, I don't know, just to name two schools that that, that are in those states, St. John's and, and Rutgers say, you know, are you going to go down to Florida to play in one of these tournaments? If you know your state's rules that when you come back, you have to quarantine for 14 days, probably not worth it. So you're probably looking to do something locally. Might Michigan be looking to do the same? you know, invite schools onto their campus and then play, play around Robin. We will see how that all shapes up. Uh, hoping to speak to Jawan Howard by the next time I speak to you listeners here uh, on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast and might have some uh, clarity on that. Ryan, I don't know if you had any football recruiting news or if you want to get straight to your passion, the NHL draft. So let's get into the draft, baby. Are there any Wolverines expected to be chosen in tomorrow night, Wednesday night's draft? No, it starts tonight. Uh, first round. First rounds tonight, and uh, thirty-one picks tonight, and then uh, tomorrow rounds two through seven. So, okay. uh, expect to hear uh, at least one Michigan player drafted tonight. Uh, Brendan Brisson, a center from uh, from Chicago of the US, USHL, uh, freshman this year, uh, expected to go in the twenty to thirty range. I know Corey Pronman of the Athletic. Uh, has has him projected to the New York Rangers at number twenty two overall. Um, so he would be the twenty fifth oh, Rangers. First, <laughs> oh, so now you're a hockey fan. Uh, <laughs> that's my team. If they were in the Stanley Cup, I would have known about it at the very least. I would have known about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, he he would be the twenty fifth uh, first round pick in University of Michigan history, which is the most in NCAA history, and it, it, it's probably one of their best. Uh, most heralded freshman classes in in program history, but a lot of them are young and aren't eligible f- until the 2021 draft. They're expected to have three players likely to go in the top 15, 20 picks in the 2021 draft. Um, but this year they'll they'll likely have two high round 
round draft pi- draft picks. Uh, Thomas Bordalo, a, a U.S. National Development Team program guy, uh, he'll probably go in the second round. Uh, could maybe sneak into the back to back to end of the first, but um, he had seven goals and eleven assists in nineteen games last year uh, for the development program. So. Uh, yeah, you'll likely hear a, a few Michigan Michigan players get drafted over the next couple of days. Of course, a reminder, getting drafted does not mean they uh, are done at Michigan because, you know, the NHL and college hockey actually work together and it makes sense. Right. Yeah. Just, these guys haven't even started their Michigan careers yet. They just yeah. signed and they're, they're who knows when the when they'll start their college careers because the college hockey season is kind of up in the air right now. But, uh, yes, they will. I mean, they'll likely play at least one season. Uh, Typically, uh, even like Quinn Hughes played two, Josh Norris played two. So a lot of these guys are, are staying for at least two years. But um, if you're if you're a first round pick, you're likely not staying all four years at Michigan. But that's to be determined after every season. They can go after any year they choose. So we'll see. All right. I think that pretty much uh, wraps up this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thank you for listening and continue to read our work at MLive.com slash Wolverines.